This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You said my world on even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. DA on CBS Sports Radio. DA, how you feeling, bro? Man, I'm feeling great. I'm doing great. Happy Tuesday, boys and girls. One question, one question only. How do you feel? I feel good and I'm doing well. That's all that really matters coming up in 20 minutes. Kirk Cousins ranks where amongst the league's best players? Advanced analytics and your epic fail. It is a trash Tuesday and earlier in the morning. A wonderful woman named Victoria in Mobile, Alabama called up and said she's going to have to disconnect from the program. She said, because while she loves my soliloquies, my monologues, she does not like all the laughter and silliness here on the show. And so there's been too much of that, too much laughter, too much silliness. She says, we sound like a pack of hyenas. And so thus, she's going to have to say goodbye to the show. And I said, no, 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 don't leave. Don't leave the show. But then we had to go out to break, and we lost connection with her. I had to drop the call. And I don't know if Victoria's still listening. I feel like I lost her going out to sea. And so I'm hoping that we can keep Victoria. But the question this morning, the poll question is, do we oftentimes sound like a pack of hyenas? That's your poll question today. We will Dig in on that coming up here at the end of the hour, plus your epic fail. Every day until the start of college football season, we are counting down 25 of the best stories in college football. Today on the hit list, the Miami Hurricanes. It's the sounds of Saturday. The DA Show counts down the days until the electricity of college football season returns with the game's greatest voices. It is tipped off. And Lewis going on the reflection. Lewis is going to score. Lewis is going to score. Lewis is going to score. Touchdown over. Touchdown over. Got a block for Brock. 50, 10, 5. Touchdown. 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 Don't win it. We're headed to Atlanta. Touchdown, Boston College. He did it. He did it. Cody did it. All the bandits. The Bears have won! Oh my God! It's the most amazing, sensational, dramatic, heart-rending, exciting, thrilling finish in the history of college football. It's the sounds of Saturday, every morning on CBS Sports Radio. It's a squib kick. Just fall down on it, so you save some up. We're going to throw it. There's a pass to the other side of the field, and it's caught by Corn Elder. Elder's got it at the 30-yard line. He's surrounded. Now he pitches it back to Jaquan Johnson. He picks it up on one hop. He's running backwards. He's looking for a block. He throws it backwards, and it's caught there by Mark Walton. Walton trying to keep it alive. He gets it to Jaquan Johnson. 
He tosses it back. Here comes another pitch. And Cornelder has it. Looks left. Throws right all the way back to the goal line. Looking for a block is Dallas Crawford. He keeps it alive. Checks it all the way across the field. It's caught there at the 15. There's a big block at the 30. To the 35 to the 40. To midfield. And still going is Cornelder. He's at the 40-yard line. Come on, oh, my baby. goodness. He will go. He's at the 20. He's at the 10. At the 5. He scores. He scores. Cornelder scores. It's a touchdown. It's a touchdown. It's a miracle in Durham, North Carolina. Unbelievable. Of Joe Zagaki from the Miami Hurricanes Radio Network. Remember that in 2015 when the Canes defeated Duke on that crazy series of laterals? He is our play-by-play voice for the sounds of Saturday. Joe, good morning. DA, how are you? I was Football practice just started. I'm on the practice field, and then um, they blew the whistle, and, and all of a sudden this loud music started to play, so now I'm hiding in a closet. <laughs> in the strength and conditioning center in order to do this show with you. <laughs> you are gutting it out for us, and we appreciate that very much, Joe. So Mario Cristobal the other day was asked about Miami returning to national prominence, and he said nothing is going to stop it from achieving that national prominence again. Why is he so optimistic? Well, because he's got a relentless attitude, and a relentless attitude to build a roster, and he knows what, a championship roster. It looks like he uh, experienced that when he was here at the University of Miami. Obviously, when he was at Alabama with Nick Saban, he knew what his championship roster looked like. Uh, he did it at Oregon, taking them to a Rose Bowl championship. So I think he understands that uh, as much as it is about coaching, it's more, probably more, about roster. Uh, and he's relentless when it comes to that. All right, so how has the roster build been? What's been his plan of attack with the transfer portal and with recruits since he took over the program? Yeah, I think, you know, one of the things that Miami has been afraid to say for a lot of years, DA, is um, they've never said we're in a rebuilding mode until Mario Cristobal came in last year. Said, you guys, we need a rebuild here. Uh, this is not you know, nice. This is not 1991. This is not 2001. He's starting to read as quickly as possible. Obviously, coming off uh, tough season here, went nine and seven. But this rebuild is going to be a combination of transfer portal players. I kind of look at it as, as the NFL. His uh, his draft choices are his prize recruits. His free agents are the guys that he got through the transfer portal. Uh, one for years and years is they recruited a pretty good level, but they fit all those guys as freshmen, and by the time they were juniors, they were out the door. They were always too young. Now I feel like with the transfer portal, he's going to have a better blend of young players and experienced players. Joe Zagaki joins us. We're going to put you on hold, Joe, just get you to a better cell phone area because you're breaking up a little bit in that closet. So, Pat, if you wouldn't mind jumping on with him and just kind of get – Joe to a a better area because I want to hear what he has to say about the future of this Hurricanes program. It was a no-brainer for the Hurricanes to be able to get Mario Cristobal. Mario knows the area. Mario's coached and recruited in the area. Mario's from the area. And Cristobal was already starting to do good things at Oregon. So it was a no-brainer for Miami to try to grab Mario Cristobal. I think the question is, what's the potential of the Hurricanes that Cristobal saw there 
that maybe he could not do it Oregon because Oregon obviously can be a national powerhouse as well. And so, Joe, we'll flip over to that. What do you think it was that drew Cristobal to Miami? Was it just merely his roots in South Florida? Well, I, you know, he grew up ten minutes here from ten minutes away from the University of Miami. Uh, people have been who, who have ever, ever been a part of this program. There's just something really special about the University of Miami, even though he was in Oregon. I think he always kept a close eye on it. The, uh, the other thing is, look, they gave him uh, a dream contract, a 10-year, $10 million contract. He's not going anywhere anytime soon, so he's got a lot of security, which is what every head coach wants. They want a lot of money and a lot of security, and he has that in his hometown. And when it comes to recruiting, I think, you know, uh, people understand that this area has great players. Being in Broward County, has great players, so he can recruit locally, but also supplement this roster with national players. But if Miami's going to be a great champion, again, like they were when Cristobal was here as a player, they've got to be able to get the homegrown players, the great players that have been leaving and been going to Alabama and Georgia the last couple of years. I think he's uh, getting Miami back into that position. Mario's a great recruiter, and so that's where his bread and butter lies. And as you said, he knows the area so well. He's from the area. So how do you change that? I mean, Miami's always trying to recruit the best out of Dayton Broward, but how does Cristobal do it where other coaches haven't? Yeah, that's a good question, an $80 million question. There are a lot of reasons why these players in this area were leaving. And, you know, they're going to Alabama, Ohio State, and Georgia. And Miami, you know, kind of got themselves in that ditch back after they uh, had the successful run in back around 2004, 2005, 2006. Once you get yourself in that ditch, it's hard to get out. And everybody, you know, fans will say, oh, they remember the glory days. But kids, they don't. 18 and 19-year-old kids don't understand that. They want to go to where it's fashionable. And it was fashionable to go to Alabama and Georgia and Ohio State. And now the new trend is we've got great high school football down here. But you probably have five high schools that have the majority of the players. Uh, much like maybe the NBA or NFL, kids understand, kids look at it and say, I want to go where their great players are. So you had all kinds of recruiting of high school players here. Probably five high schools dominate the area. Mario Cristobal is trying to dominate those high schools. St. Thomas, American Heritage, Northwestern, Central, uh, to keep those players here. And over the last two years, his two recruiting cycles, he's done a very, very good job at that. Joe Zagaki is the voice of the Hurricanes, longtime voice. He joins us this morning to look at this season's Hurricane squad. They're going to open up on Friday of Labor Day weekend against Miami of Ohio. But then week number two on ABC in the afternoon, Texas A&M against the Hurricanes. Obviously a massive test for the Miami Hurricanes. What's the expectations like going into week two? How important is that game early in the season? Well, I think it's uh, very important. Miami had a chance to win that game a year ago in College Station, had the ball in the game and, and could not drive it down the field, left the ball on the field. Uh, I think offensively Miami will be different than they were a year ago when they played Texas A&M. But A&M comes in, the name brand, Southeastern Conference team, Jimbo Fisher, all the boxes are checked for, for a big day at Hard Rock Stadium. Listen, for A&M, it's just as big a game. 
man, they're coming off a terrible season. Jimbo Fisher's under all kinds of pressure. So that's going to be a massive week two game. But for the University of Miami, because it's A&M and because it's an SEC team in their stadium, I think there's a credibility on the line for the University of Miami, who last year, D.A., quite frankly, at home, they were abysmal. They had crushing about every single game at home. Gave up 40-some points to Florida State at home, 40 points to Middle Tennessee State at home, 40 points to Duke at home. You can't have that in South Florida. So that second game against Texas A&M, I think kind of a stigma game for this program. Finally, Tyler Van Dyke came in with big expectations last year. Bit of an up-and-down season for Van Dyke. What do the Hurricanes coaching staff expect from him coming up this season? Yeah, up up and down would be kind. It was an awful season. He was injured. He never really got into the uh, into the new scheme that they put in a year ago. Uh, injuries knocked him sideways. The expectations this year with a new offense, a spread offense, uh, returning Van Dyke to the offense that he had two years ago is that he'll have a season like he did his freshman year where uh, just about every single week he threw for 300 yards. I think he's very capable of that. I think he's very capable of being one of the best quarterbacks, not only in the ACC, but in the country. I am standing right now next to the Miami offensive line. And D.A., they're on the practice field, probably the biggest adjustment that Mario Cristobal has made for the University of Miami is they are massive on the offensive line. These guys are gigantic, and uh, that is going to help Tyler Van Dyke a, a, a ton. Last year, they had no offensive line. He got injured. This year, through the transfer portal, through recruiting, and through a couple of guys that were left over, this is an offensive line that looks like an elite offensive line, at least size-wise. And Mario, he uh, probably one of the biggest things he's doing in recruiting is changing the size of Miami. For a lot of years, they tried to depend on speed rather than size. Now they're going to be a big man's team. And it starts with the offensive line. Smart. Joe Zagaki, one of the best longtime voice of the Miami Hurricanes. The Hurricanes will open up against Miami, Ohio, and then week number two against Texas A&M at Hard Rock in South Florida. Joe, you're the best. I appreciate the time this morning, man. Thank you so much. All right, D.A., thank you. Joe Zagaki joining us this morning here on the show. Again, longtime play-by-play voice of the Miami Hurricanes and the Hurricanes Radio Network. And that's an interesting storyline to follow. That Cristobal is a former offensive lineman himself. He's a big guy. And why wouldn't you recruit speed and athleticism? Because that's where the elite of the elite talent is in South Florida. You're not growing a ton of big uglies in the offensive line, but you do have these amazing wide receivers, these amazing running backs, all these amazing skill position guys, corners, etc. So you collect those around South Florida for Miami, and that becomes your identity. And yet... I think the Hurricanes, if you go back to their glory days of the 80s, 90s, early 2000s, were always elite on the lines as well. I mean, think about some of the offensive linemen that have come out of the the Hurricanes program over the years, and uh, they were stars of the NFL. So it's the right way to do it. The big uglies in the interior, the Vince Wilforks and Bryant McKinney's, et cetera, that have manned the middle, Cortez Kennedy's, so many wonderful guys Russell Maryland that just dominated the trenches you got to get back to that and Crystal Ball is trying to do that I think 
the Hurricanes obviously ultimately will be fine. I think that he'll make them winners. I don't know if you can ever expect the Hurricanes to be who they once were. You know, the idea that you can collect all of the talent and become the most talented team in college football, which they were in the 80s and then 2001, 2002. I mean, it's insane to think about the collection of talent those teams had. Greg Olson just was talking about this with the part of my take guys, I believe. And he mentioned that on that 01 team, Sean Taylor, Antrell Roll, and Kellen Winslow Jr. were on special teams because they couldn't get on the field. <laughs> that It was just stupid. It's the most talented college football team of all time, that 01 and 02 Miami Hurricane squad. I don't think you can expect it ever to get back there. That's a once-in-a-lifetime and a long time ago now, 25 years, but they'll win. And in the ACC, it's not hard to win. It's not a lot of great programs. It's Clemson, and then everybody else is kind of struggling to find consistent footing. So I, I think Cristobal's going to get them to be a winner, but it's going to take a little bit of time. And when I say winner, I think it's – you can be a 9-10 and 10 win team just about every year, I think, in Miami. I do. I think that. If you got the right coach and the right stability and the right recruiting – you can be nine or ten wins just about every season, and that, that's good enough to compete for an ACC title just about every season. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. Back clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You said my world on even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Where death by salsa is the least of your concerns. The DA Show on CBS Sports Radio. All right, a happy Tuesday to you, everybody. Appreciate you being with it with us. The Defensive Player of the Week, sponsored by the Navy Federal Credit Union, who proudly serves the Armed Forces DOD veterans and their families. They're members of the mission. Learn more at NavyFederal.org. Orioles outfielder Austin Hayes saved the day for the birds, robbing Whit Merrifield of a hit with a spectacular catch in center in the bottom of the ninth inning yesterday. Catch, helping preserve a 4-2 win for the O's, who hold the best record of the American League. Woohoo! the second best record in baseball behind only the Bravos. Pretty cool. Welcome back. The 
DA show is heard on hundreds of affiliates nationwide, as well as Sirius XM channel 158. It's Trash Tuesday. Hit us up on Twitter, DA on CBS. The poll question of the day, do we sound like a bunch of cackling hyenas at times on the show? That's what Victoria in Mobile, Alabama said. AMD tweets, what seems really odd is that one or two of you are laughing your hearts out while others are sitting serious as a heart attack. So what was so funny that only two or three of you laughed? Regardless, if that's the show, that's the show. But get over yourselves. Hashtag over actors. Hashtag cackling hyenas. I smell rotten eggs. All right, relax. <laughs> What's going on here? <laughs> Well, look, different strokes for different folks. Not everything that we say on the show is funny to everybody. Everybody has got a different sense of right. humor. So. Exactly. Uh, but, like, this, uh, no, no one wants humor anymore. I, what's going on here? Is there someone, something in the water today? Well, Kristen in Buffalo does. She says, my husband and I listen together, and when we hear you all making each other laugh or going off on a random tangent, one of us will yell, sports, and make each other laugh. That's it's right. The best. Thank you, Kristen in Buffalo. Well, this has always been my approach to the show. I think you have to know your sports because too often there are sports, quote-unquote, radio shows that attempt to be funny, that aren't that funny. And if they don't know sports, then you're like, well, then why am I really listening? It's hard, it's hard to be funny in the middle of like a sports conversation. Some can do it, some can't. So we try to make sure that we know the sports part of it, but that when you get too in the weeds, people's eyes start glazing over. I know mine does. It's it's one thing if, you know, it's a really important conversation to be had, but you can't have that really important conversation every single day and every single segment. And we fill four hours a day, every single day for five shows a week. And sometimes I do a sixth or a seventh show a week. So Inevitably, you know, I think that you have to be able to talk about other things or try to make each other laugh. And I do think that laughter is infectious. But more than anything else, I think in 2023, we have bent a lot of the news into being really depressing. And really, it's supposed to agitate you because that's how people get action. If you're agitated, if you're angry, you're more willing to go do things for a cause. And so a lot of the quote-unquote news is pointed to agitate you. And I have just felt like, you know what? And that's sports as well. I'm not just talking about the news media. When you watch a debate show, the point is the hosts are going to get agitated. They are finding stories that make them agitated or they're faking the agitation. Because you want to watch agitation and it's entertaining to see people get angry and emotional and rip off on things, etc. And perhaps making you intentionally agitated as well so that maybe you want to keep watching or maybe you then keep kind of coming back for that morphine drip of the the excitement, the agitation, the fury, the anger. the what. And I just felt like, you know what? I don't want to be part of that ecosystem. I just, I can't be part of that. I, I think that people need the antidote to that. Because if all you do is watch and hear agitation all day long, then 
you are primed to be more agitated in your life. And in everyday life, who needs more agitation? And that's kind of become the circus, the carnival, the show of media to be agitated to as the show. And I just was like, I can't, I don't want, I don't want to trade. I don't want to traffic in that. And so I've tried, I'm naturally a laughy guy, but I've tried to also make sure we, we leave room for laughter. We leave room for levity because what we're doing is not that important. I was talking about DeMar Hamlin earlier in the morning. I'm kind of in awe at the medical staff that saved Damar Hamlin's life because they rushed to his aid so quickly because they are such professionals because they were so experienced and because in the drop of a hat in the moment they knew exactly what to do to save a human being's life. Now that doing that is a spectacularly important job. What we do on this radio show and others is not so I try to just make sure that the backbone of the show is levity and laughter and happiness and togetherness because we just need more of that. And if I'm going to be in control of anything, it's going to be delivering more of that. So if you hear a lot of jokiness and a lot of laughter, it's true. We go off on tangents sometimes, and I can't say it's always that focused. But I try to let that thing breathe because... I'd rather hear that if I turn on the radio, people genuinely having a good time around one another than purposefully getting agitated. And those that traffic in agitation, it is what it is. That's there. There's certainly a spot for that. It is profitable for a lot of people. It's a secure business position for a lot of hosts. So that is what it is. I'm not going to judge it. I just can't do it. And so we err on the side of levity and silliness because I just think we need to help balance out the agitation and the anger. You know, and it's why I was talking about Pee Wee's Playhouse earlier. I do look at something like that that was incredibly innovative, extraordinarily colorful and cartoonish, but made with a heart at the center. Now, I know that Paul Rubens had his own stuff off the TV stuff, and he got into trouble, and, you know, that's its whole... That's its own scandal and things like that. But at the heart of Pee-wee's Playhouse, at the center was silliness, ridiculousness, absurdity. True absurdist humor. But at its core, it was togetherness, family, friends, and trying to do what's right. So I think there's a lot of threads there with how I like shows to go. And it's why I think even subliminally that this show has zany, crazy characters and moments of total absurdity but tries to have at its core a goodness, try to do the right thing, try to treat people well, and hopefully, you know, that's good enough. Giovanni earlier was one of the ones saying like, yeah, you guys spin off on crazy tangents too much, but he says, on the other hand, I do love how you always are ready to pull the plug on a crappy phone connection. <laughs> that is something that me and Pete the Body just wince at, and even uh -huh. though I'm at the home studio, I knew after Joe Zagaki's second answer where it was a crackly phone, Pete was like me going, we got to get out of this right now. <laughs> Pull the ripcord. Pull the ripcord. Get him to a better area immediately. I, I, you know, we have all this technology now. We still haven't figured out a smooth way to have a mobile phone without all that distortion. You know, that's why I, I always, I have a home line. I have a, an actual home phone still in my home because I value that, you know, value that, uh, th that sound. 
I've thought about that a lot. I had a home phone up until six, seven years ago, and I kept buying the home phone for that reason. I love the crystal clear sound of a landline. Yeah. But I just realized I wasn't at home talking on the phone much, so I didn't need one. But, boy, that sound when you're on a landline, how beautiful. When you call somebody in the office and they're at another desk, how nice is that clarity? Oh, so much easier to talk. I mean, you're not worried about how, oh, I can't hear you. I can't, well, you're breaking up. You're breaking up. Move to another spot. None of that. It's a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. The NFL Network pulled the players and put out its ranking of the top 100 players of the NFL. This happens every single year. And now they're up to number 40 through 50. And I looked at this list, and I don't get too hot and bothered over lists. You guys know rankings and lists, whatever. Voting, rankings, lists does not do it for me. But I saw this and said, what am I missing here? Because if I'm not mistaken, the top 100 players of 2023 are always voted on every year, this list, by other players. So these are colleagues. These are fellow players voting on players. Cam Jordan, number 50. Pat Sertan, number 49. Hassan Reddick, 48. Cooper Cup, 47. C.J. Mosley, 46. Cam Hayward, 45. Jalen Waddell, 44. Demario Davis, 43. And number 42, Kirk Cousins. And I must be missing something here. Kirk Cousins. You're telling me Kirk Cousins is the 42nd best player in the NFL? Now, before you say, well, yeah, that makes sense, DA. Note the math here. He's not a top five quarterback in the NFL. That much is obvious. At best, he's six, which he's not. But let's just say the top five quarterbacks are obviously not something he's going to crack into. Now you have the top five left tackles, the top five corners, the top five running backs, the top five edge rushers, the top five defensive linemen, the top five safeties. Now we're already at 40 players there. How could Kirk Cousins be the 42nd best player if he's not in the top five at his own position? And again, if this is, I think it is, if this is voted on by the players, they're doing the same thing that they hate when the media does. Ignore the anonymous quote-unquote positions. Because did I mention any offensive lineman there? No. Lane Johnson came in at 41. I mean, how can you argue that Cooper Cup is not a better player than Kirk Cousins? Cooper Cup is a top five wide receiver, is he not? And Kirk Cousins isn't a top five quarterback. Isn't Cooper Cup better at what he does than Kirk Cousins is at what he does? Again, I'm not going to go crazy on rankings, but it just strikes me a hypocrisy here. This is voted on by the players that they're also missing all of the obvious things that they begrudge about us that we don't see the inner workings we don't know what really happens in the game we're not paying attention to the offensive line work or the special teams and here they are doing the same thing there is no way on god's green earth kirk cousins is the 42nd best player in this league because if you had an nfl draft okay and you put all 32 general managers out there and every player in the league was drafted and draft eligible would Kirk Cousins be 42? A, no way. 
B, if yes, it's only because somebody was so desperate for a quarterback that they had to go because there was a run on the, the first 10 quarterbacks already. There's no way. There's no way. So I saw this and said, what are we, what are we complaining about if we're players about how oh, only the quarterbacks get attention? If running backs are begrudging them or anybody else begrudging quarterbacks for getting the attention, well, it's happening within their own circles if Kirk Cousins is ranked number 42. Come on now. Now, come on. Let's use a head. Come on now. Kirk. Cousins. <laughs> He'd be a top 45 pick, I think, though, DA, in your, in your like, supreme fantasy draft. Because we overpick quarterbacks. I can't imagine teams would go two picks without taking one of the quarterbacks. So I think he actually would go that high. Doesn't mean he should be 42nd on this list. And this list is dumb. We did it last week when Justin Fields was ahead of Trevor Lawrence by like 10 or 11 spots, which made no sense to a lot of people. But your draft example, I think Kirk actually would get picked higher than he should because everyone knows they need a quarterback. That's fair. And he's in the top half of NFL quarterbacks. But where does Kirk Cousins rank in terms of quarterbacks? Let's say at best he's seven. Yeah, I think like eight, eight to 12, eight to 15. In there, you're starting to nitpick on who. And, you know, if you're not picking for, you know, if you're not giving a younger quarterback the benefit of the doubt because you're going to have him for 10 years, you're just picking a guy to play Sunday. He lives in that, like, the back half of the top 15. Like, if Kirk Cousins is the 14th best quarterback in the NFL, there's no way he's the 42nd best player in the NFL. No, well, I mean, it is feasible that the 14th best quarterback is better than the second or the third safety. Like, no. that's that's doable. That's not that's not impossible. I don't think so. I'm not saying it's reality, but it's also not impossible. I, I don't think that that's fair because if you're the third best safety in the NFL – you have to be better at what you do than the 14th best quarterback. In all likelihood, yes. But when you started out by going the top five here, the top five there, not all of those people are better than Kirk Cousins at their positions just because they're the top five something. I don't know. I mean, if every position on the NFL field is important, is Oh, important, number... yes. But at any given time, the top five safeties or whatever – their value is different. Sometimes you might have eight great safeties. Sometimes there might be three. And then the rest of the list is, eh. Like, there have been times where being eighth, the, the eighth best quarterback was impressive. Now it's not that impressive anymore. Like, there's there's different numbers. That's true. But I still think if you are disregarding the elite of the elite at every position, you don't realize how hard it is to be the elite at everything on the football field. If the 14th best at one position could be considered better than the third best at another, it's really, really hard to be a great left tackle. It's really hard to be a great strong safety. It's really hard to be a great corner. Yeah. And if we just dismiss that because one guy gets all the accolades because he throws the passes, you know, it's really a disrespect to the other positions than I think. And also, too, to me, the, the bottom line is players are dumb. Like, this is why Pro Bowl voting is dumb sometimes because – they don't watch games. They vote for their buddies. They're paying attention to their own team. It's like even we had, you know, the Andy Reid doesn't remember Jordan Love conversation. These guys have tunnel vision on what's in front of them coming up. And if they don't play a team, if they don't have to study a team, 
They don't know who's good or who's not. They're, not all, they're basically missing the entire Sunday slate because of their game, and maybe they're not watching Sunday Night Football. So a lot of these guys are just voting blindly on reputation or relationships. So all of these lists are nonsense. So th- you're so this was voted on by the players? Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Mr. A.B. has our final headlines of the morning. The baseball trade deadline is 6 Eastern today. It has been a while since the Orioles have been buyers, but here they are needing pitching as they try to hold on to the AL East lead. MLB Network says Baltimore, one of the teams engaging the Mets about Justin Verlander. Yesterday, the Rays got Guardians righty Adam Savali making second baseman Brandon Lau happy. That's another guy that we can look at to, to go 6 or 7 every time. You know, he's another guy that gives us a little bit of relief both in our bullpen and in our guys at the plate to uh, know that we got a guy out there that's going to roll out there throw his best stuff and give us a good uh, good solid outing every time so we're excited to get him in here that's from Bally Sports Sun the Tampa Bay rotation's been hit hard by injuries this season but Tyler Glass now was great in last night's 5-1 win at Yankee Stadium seven innings that one run on three hits with eight K's the Rays remain a game and a half behind those O's in the division. The Yanks are three and a half behind the Jays for the last wild card. Toronto took a 4-2 home loss from Baltimore last night and saw Bo Bichette make an early exit with right knee discomfort. Great baseball name, Bo Bichette. Uh, the Cubs traded for Nationals third baseman Jamer Candelario before a 6-5 home loss to the Reds. The Brewers traded for Mets outfielder Marcana before a 5-3 loss to those Nats. Since he leads the NL Central by a game and a half over Milwaukee, Chicago is five back. The Astros rallied for a 7-3 win over Cleveland. They're now a half game behind the idle Rangers in the AOS. The D-backs got a 4-3 win in 11 in San Francisco after adding Mariners closer Paul Sewald. The Giants, by the way, got outfielder A.J. Pollock from Seattle yesterday. And the Angels, 4-1 winners in Atlanta. They're now three games behind the Jays for the last AL wildcard. A third uninspiring performance from U.S. women's soccer at the World Cup, but they do reach the knockout stage through Oof. an overnight scoreless draw with Portugal head coach Vladko Andonovsky. It's not like we, you know, we played well but by any means. I, you know, we would like uh, we owned it. We know it, it's not good enough. We know uh, we're not happy with our performance, but uh, uh, it's uh, you know we we qualified for the next round. We're moving on. Likely facing Sweden on Sunday, but they almost went home today with Portugal hitting the post in the 91st minute. England hammered China 6-1 to win Group D. Denmark also advancing with a 2-0 win over Haiti. The Broncos lost two wide receivers yesterday. Tim Patrick, who missed last season with a torn ACL, suffered a likely Achilles tear yesterday. And K.J. Hamler's dealing with a minor heart issue. He should be fine and play this season after medication and other treatment. And details of a new media rights deal will finally be presented to Pac-12 schools today. And I am happy to announce now that WatchDA.com will be the home of Pac-12 baseball, (laughs) women's soccer, and track and field. All right. DA, congrats on growing the brand. That's great for Kaplan and the whole family. Back to you. Super fired up about Oregon State versus Washington softball coming up right after the show next Tuesday. <laughs> Can me and Bogues do the play-by-play for that? No. Sure. Not We're allowed. looking for talent. <laughs> Cap's got to do all the angles on the cameras, too. That, that game. I'm sure that'll be uh, excellent. 
Bouncing baby boy is trashing truck drivers who don't pay attention to highway signs and end up rolling their truck and causing six-hour delays. Watch what you're doing. Hashtag sure wish I finished training. Hashtag keep it upright. Trash them. I smell rotten eggs. Kevin tweets, 2000 was my freshman year at Penn State. Our opening game was a night game against Miami. I've never witnessed athletes make other athletes look so inferior than I did that night. It was a track meet on the football field, 28-0 before you could blink. Again, Greg Olson did a spot, I think, with one of the Barstool guys. I think it was part of my take. And he mentioned recently just how filthy that Hurricanes team that he was on was. And I always say this. Look, there were great Alabama teams. There have been great Alabama teams under Saban. There were great Bama teams under Bear Bryant. Great Oklahoma teams of the 80s. Great Nebraska teams of the 90s. Great Notre Dame teams way back when. But there is nothing close to the talent assembled with the 2001 Miami Hurricanes. I'm just going to give you the running back depth chart on the 01 Hurricanes. Clinton Portis, Willis McGahee, Frank Gore, Najee Davenport, Jared Payton, who is Walter Payton's son. Your four deep had three NFL Pro Bowlers And then Najee Davenport, who was a starting fullback in the NFL, and then the son of Walter Payton. (laughs) I mean, that's just Mm -hmm. the running backs. (laughs) The tight ends were Jeremy Shockey and Kellen Winslow Jr., two Pro Bowl tight ends in the NFL. Like, it was an NFL Pro Bowl team. When we come back on the show, Advanced Analytics and your epic fail, DA, CBS Sports Radio. Even the DA show is not perfect. We know. Shocking. Here's the epic feel. All right, so a guy spent $14,000 in a border collie costume and now dresses up and acts like a dog. What's so wrong with that? Here's your fail. It took the company 40 days to make this dog suit. Toko debuted his getup in public recently, being taken for a walk by a friend who is somehow not creeped out by all of this. And the people were pissed. Got some sick people around here. (laughs) (laughs) What's wrong with this? It's not sexual. What's wrong with this? He just wants to be... He wants to act like a dog. Maybe he thinks that we all got some screw looses. Yeah, I wanted to be a dog too, DA, when I was seven. <laughs> and then those dreams dissipate and you grow up a little bit. That's, that's right. Come on, man. I just don't like him. You dog! You want to be a dog? For, you, there's one day you could be a dog. It's a- October 31st. I think you're an idiot. Dog! I mean, what are we doing? What are we doing? <laughs> At the end of the video... He waves goodbye with his paw. (laughs) Goodbye, everybody. (laughs) Goodbye. (laughs) Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. Woof, woof, woof. Imagine you're you're lucky, you're unlucky in love. You can't find a partner. You finally find someone. Things are going so great, and one day he goes. (laughs) So my real dream in life was to be a dog. Let me show you something. And he comes back walking out of the bedroom on all fours as a border collie. What the hell do you do? Restraining uh, well, order. You're right. Very bland. What are they called in in costumes? Lunatics. Furries. Furries. Right. They dress up as cartoon Lunatics. animals, and they they, they do <laughs> they have relations in the costume. So you think this is weird? Again, this isn't sexually just dressing up like a dog. I, it's I like ridiculous. How I like how you con- you condo- you love you condoning this. Meanwhile, if I bought a big gold belt for $200. Not uh, allowed. Not allowed. <laughs> no. Nope. Uh, not allowed. Why are you Roll watching up. wrestling? Well, what's some, this guy's buying a 
$20,000 costume. You know what? And, 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 oh, well, it's just fine. Hey, at That's least he's not having point. sex in the costume. No. <laughs> they are banging one another. Bone jobs, full on nude. I like handling meat. You dog! Epic fail, you loser. That is why you fail. Epic fail. Whole question was a bit of a bucket of cold water. Does the show sometimes sound like a bunch of cackling hyenas, according to Victoria in Mobile? And 70% of you said, yes. <laughs> hyenas do live in territorial social groups called clans. They are dominated by females and can reach up to 70 members. And some scientists believe that laughter was used as a way for humans to relate to one another millions of years before they developed Lung strength for language. Is that so? (laughs) The mechanism of laughter is so ingrained in our brains that babies as young as 17 days old has been observed at doing it. Wow. (laughs) We communicated via laughter before the lung strength for language. Hmm. Avery's in Michigan this morning here on the show to have the last word. Good morning, Avery. Morning, D.A. How you doing, bud? I'm doing all right. Good. What's going on? I kind of want to talk about the Travis Kelsey incident at tra- training camp. All right. What do you think? Oh, boy. You just won the Super Bowl. What the heck are you thinking? Punching a teammate, right? Yep. Yeah, you should be happy with that championship ring, another Vince Lombardi trophy, and just chill out, right? Amen to that. Okay, so are we trashing Travis Kelsey today? I guess you could do that, yes. Let's do that. All right, let's trash Travis Kelsey. I'm getting queasy. What's your summer been like? He gone. Oh, he gone. Okay. Avery in Michigan trashing Travis Kelsey. We've had a lot of good trashes this morning on the show. Lukewarm Churro trashing his delivery guy who has delivered packages to the neighbors for six years now. Come on, dude. We've talked about this for six years. Real year of the buffoon type stuff here. Hashtag trash him. I'm getting queasy. That's got to be tough. If for six years you've told your delivery driver, you're delivering our packages to our neighbors, please stop. And they don't. Okay, that'll do it for us this morning here on the show. Thanks to Pat Boyle, executive producer. Thanks to Pete the Body Bellotti on the Wheels of Steel and Audio Director. Thanks to Andrew Kaplan, the Wizard of Watch DA, and Andrew Bogish on your headlines. We will see you tomorrow. Same bat time, same bat channel. Be good and be good to one another. We'll see you then. I'm DA. The Mothership Disconnects. Oh, oh. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better 
because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.